8850-KFUO. We are worldwide at KFUO.org. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course our talk programs, including this segment, wherever you get your podcast. Just search out KFUO Radio. I'm Gary Duncan. You're listening to the Midday Moments program. It's time for a moment on the lighter side. And this afternoon, we welcome back one of our regular guests, the author of the third gospel, Dr. Luke. Uh, Before we go any farther, though, Dr. Luke, I want to lay down some ground rules for these interviews. Whatever you say, Mr. Duncan, as a doctor, I'm used to following rules. Uh, There are all kinds of rules to which we have to adhere. (laughs) Always wash your hands before examining a patient. Never scratch your nose in the middle of surgery. (laughs) That's what you got nurses for. Uh, do nurses scratch your nose for you? I guess well, so. Of course, huh? what else do you have a nurse for? I mean, I'm doing the doctor and stuff. Well, I, I, I know, but I'm also glad to hear that you're good at following rules, and I've got a few more that I'd like to add. A few more? Okay, yeah, a few more. Right. Uh, you're here yep. because it's the season of Lent, and uh, you're going to share the exclusive account of the Passion of Jesus Christ. Yeah, my, my exclusive account. I, I'd be glad to do so because there are many unique details of Jesus' passion that are part of my gospel. Uh, of course, I am the third gospel, so I have the advantage of filling in the gaps of my predecessors, Matthew and Mark. I, I could answer some of the questions they left unanswered. Is that enough? That's just half the ground rules, okay? Uh, Dr. Okay. Luke, you, you are also forbidden to do any advertising for any hair-growing products of any type. This includes, but is not limited, to hair-growing elixirs, hair-growing plasters, and especially those hair-growing leeches. Well, well, I can understand, Mr. Duncan, that that you might be a bit sensitive about my past efforts to restore the original furriness of that shiny cue ball head of yours. (laughs) Well, first of all, let me tell you this. I don't have a cue ball head. Now, my hairline is receding, but it's not completely gone yet. Only a matter of time unless corrective action is taken. And I have a whole host of products we haven't even tried yet, Mr. Duncan. Although I, I will admit my preliminary efforts have been somewhat less than effective. <laughs> <laughs> less than effective, yeah. They were a complete disaster. I, I trained for four years to be part of the U.S. Olympic Bible Speed Reading Team, but thanks to you, I was disqualified. Well, I, I suppose I should have mentioned the hair-growing plaster was laced with steroids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have been nice if you mentioned that fact. At least a, a brief warning on the label. So, doctor, make no mention of any hair-restoring products, and we'll get along just fine. Oh, not even my new Do- hair-growing pill? Doctor... I can abide by those rules. Well, good. We'll we'll do what we can. We'll begin your unique account of Jesus' passion. Well, why don't you start reading with chapter 4, then, of my gospel? Okay, that seems a little early, though, for an account of Jesus' passion, but whatever you say. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. Wait a second, Dr. Luke, that's not an account of Jesus' passion, and furthermore, it's not even a story exclusive to your gospel. I realize Mark only gives an abbreviated version of the temptation of Christ, but Matthew includes all the same temptations you do, only in a different order. I I appreciate that there's no mention of any hair products, but you've broken the first ground rule. We're looking for your unique material about the passion of Jesus. 
well, actually, uh, this story is about the passion of Jesus. A and furthermore, that's what makes my account of the temptation of Jesus unique. What are you talking about, Dr. Luke? Well, well, you're right there. All, all three of us gospel writers make mention of the temptation of Jesus, but I'm the only one who draws a direct connection between that temptation and Jesus' final suffering and death. Read, if you would, the last verse of my account. Okay. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Oh, I see what you're saying. For you, this was just a prelude to the final struggle at the Passion of Jesus. Right on. Uh, for me, the Passion of Jesus doesn't just begin on Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. It actually started already when Jesus was baptized. The Spirit descended on him, and the Father declared him his beloved Son. From that point on, the Passion of Jesus had begun. I suppose you could argue Jesus' passion began at the moment he was born. Well, you could say that, and, and actually that would be the take of my good friend Matthew with his infancy narrative uh, about divorce and a murderous king. But as you said, we're here to study my unique material. And for me, things really start happening at Jesus' temptation. Read, if you would, another passage from my gospel, Mr. Duncan. Now, chapter 22, uh, verse 28. Okay. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials. And, and by the way, I can hear that your Bible speed reading is still, you're still at top notch. I can hear those yeah. pages just flying by. Even though I can't get in the Olympics, I'm still practicing. There's another chance, four years. Well, anyway, now these words here about you've stayed with me in my trials. Jesus spoke these words during the time we traditionally consider the passion of Jesus. In fact, in the upper room on Monday, Thursday, in fact. But note they're spoken before any of his suffering that Holy Week, uh, before the beatings, the mocking, and the crucifixion. Whether the disciples had realized it or not, apparently Jesus' trials had already begun, even before Judas shows up. Furthermore, the word for trials here, get this, is actually the same word that is translated temptation and that earlier account of Jesus' battle with the devil. The point I was trying to make is that Jesus' whole life has been a passion story, a story of temptation and a struggle with the, the evil from the start. Now that you mentioned it, Dr. Luke, in your gospel throughout Jesus' ministry, there are people coming to him trying to put him to a test. I suspect that also is the same word for temptation. Oh, you're very insightful, Mr. Duncan, for a guy that doesn't have a lot of hair. Uh, yep, attempt, trial, or test. In every instance, I use the same word in the Greek. Uh, by the use of this word, I was implying that all of Jesus' life is a passion story, a story of his struggle with the devil. Of course, I didn't only imply this struggle. Sometimes I made it explicit. Uh, okay, get ready now. Read, if you would, chapter 22, verse 3. Okay. Satan entered into to Judas called Iscariot, who was the number of twelve. And later in that same chapter, verse 31. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. For me, Jesus' passion, his life and death struggle with the devil, begins in the wilderness temptation and finds its conclusion in the events of Holy Week. But, but let me share with you another unique connection I make between the temptation of Jesus 
and his final suffering and death. Ready now? Mm -hmm. Read chapter 4, verse 9. And the devil took Jesus to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. Now, Matthew's account does mention that this original temptation of Jesus took place in the, quote, holy city, unquote. But only in my account is the actual name of that city given. Jerusalem, I said. Now, that's a name that's mighty important in my gospel. In fact, I mention it no less than 20 times, which is really something considering I myself was a Gentile and Jerusalem is a city of Jews. Why, my Jewish brothers, Matthew and Mark, together don't mention Jerusalem that many times. So what is significant about the city of Jerusalem? Well, rather than tell you, let me show you. <clears throat> I don't mean to bring up a depressing topic, but uh, it seems like your Bible speed reading skills are still pretty good, Mr. Duncan. Yeah? I would like to think even without the steroids, uh, they remain uncontested. Well, okay. We, we've been, well, let's put them to the test then. Read chapter 2, verse 25. Okay. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was uh, Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. The first public announcement of Jesus' ministry takes place in Jerusalem. Then chapter 2, verse 41. Okay. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. The only known story of Jesus' childhood takes place in Jerusalem. And it's in the Jerusalem temple that he amazes the Jewish teachers with his wisdom and understanding. In the story of the transfiguration that was celebrated a Sunday ago, I point out that the mountain conversation of Moses and Elijah and Jesus was about, if you'd please read chapter 9, verse 31. Okay. They appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Ah, I, I'm beginning to see the passion connection there. Well, just keep reading then. Chapter 9, verse 51. Okay. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Chapter 1333. Okay. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. And finally, chapter 18, verse 31. Okay. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. You definitely do draw a strong connection between Jerusalem and the passion of Jesus. Do, do you need a breather to catch your breath? Are you ready to work? <laughs> yeah, my fingers are... I got paper cuts, too. Well, anyway, that's just the half of it, Mr. Duncan. There are many more passages about Jerusalem of my gospel if we had time to read them and your fingers weren't so sore. Uh, although I must acknowledge, they're not all about the sadness that takes place in Jerusalem. There were some blessings there as well. I mean, if you can handle it, chapter 24, and we'll just do them together, verse 47 and 52. Oh, great, great. Uh, repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem and verse 52 and they worship him and return to Jerusalem with great joy uh, for me Mr. Duncan Jerusalem is the center of everything that happens to Jesus his birth his childhood his suffering his death and the blessings that follow and for me Jesus passion his life and death struggle with evil 
begins that first time the devil takes him up to Jerusalem. But there's more that needs to be said about the temptation and passion of Jesus. What, what is the heart of this struggle with the devil? And, and what does this temptation of Jesus have to do with us? Uh, if you allow me, I'd like to come back and continue this discussion next week. Okay. As long as you abide by the ground rules, I'd love to talk with you again. Uh, you, you sure you wouldn't want to at least try my new hair-growing electrolysis machine? No steroids involved, Do guaranteed. Dr. Luke! Oh, all right, all right, Mr. Duncan. I, I, I won't mention it again. Well, great. Until next week, uh, and I look forward to talking to you again next week as we uh, hear more about the, the exclusive on the passion of Jesus. This is the Messenger of Good News, KFUO at KFUO.org.